If you would, remain standing for the reading of God's holy word and turn to Romans chapter 10. If you're using a pew Bible, you can find that on page 946. It's page 946, Romans chapter 10. I will begin reading in verse 13. This is God's word. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed, they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Please be seated. In this great epistle so far, we have learned how sinners are made righteous before a holy God. That God's righteousness for sinners is His only Son, Jesus Christ. And those who belong to Him, they have faith in Him alone for their salvation. When we reach Romans 9, we began, Paul began teaching us that God's word has not failed specifically to Israel. The Lord does not sit wondering what will happen on his earth. He does not make promises that he will not keep, that he is is at work even now bringing his perfect plan, his perfect will to completion. All of his promises, they will come to pass. And this includes the salvation of those whom he predestined before the foundation of the world. That the Lord's purpose of election is his purpose. He has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. So before we begin today's verses, it is appropriate to be reminded of Romans 3, verses 10 through 18. If you will, turn with me there to Romans 3 looking at verses 10 through 18. Paul says, None is righteous. No, not not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. 
These words inform us of mankind's great wickedness and our inability to turn to God if left on our own. None are righteous. In case you're wondering, that's all of us. No one understands. No one seeks for God. That is everyone. No one grasps righteousness on their own. And no one seeks for God if left to themselves. It says, all have turned aside and are worthless. No one does good, not even one. Not you, not me. No one does good. Without God awakening the spiritually dead man, woman, youth, or child to righteousness, there is no one on this earth that will fear him. The truth of our complete wickedness is important as we study the means of how souls are saved. Today's verses, they draw us deeper into the doctrine of soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. No one seeks for God. That is truth. Therefore, what do we do as a local church with the community around us? What do we do with family members, neighbors, co-workers? Do we sit and wait for a sign from the Lord? Do we just lay our head on the pillow of God's election? Is Sunday worship our only responsibility as a church? Do we find a way to bring people in? Do we just sit, pray, and hope for the best? Do we meet the physical needs of the community and maybe, perhaps, they will ask us about Jesus? How do we spend our finances as individuals? How do we spend our finances as a church? What should we do when we are surrounded by lost souls? The Apostle Paul's prayer and heart's desire was the salvation of the Jews. And if we are mature Christians, this is also true in our life. But is that it? Is it just a heart desire and a matter of prayer? Paul answers all these questions today. Romans 10, verse 13, For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I declared last week that Paul took this verse from the Old Testament book of Joel and applied the word Yahweh to Jesus. That Jesus is God. He is the Messiah. That everyone who calls on Jesus Christ for salvation will be saved, Jew or Gentile, all nations and all races. This is great, but this is not the end of the story. How will individuals call on Christ? We need to be reminded over and over again of the means by which God saves sinners. Verse 14 and verse 15 of Romans chapter 10 gives us the means. It says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Lost souls do not just believe on their own. How do souls believe when they have never heard the gospel? How do souls believe without someone preaching? How will preaching occur if people are not sent? The word of repetition here is how 
In these two verses, we see how five times. How will they call? How are they to believe? How are they to hear? How are they to preach? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news? Now, just because you hear the word preaching, do not tune out and say, Hey, pastor, that's not me. Yes, it is. The word is emphasizing one who heralds or proclaims something. Paul is answering how people call on Christ. And in these verses, he provides the simple answer. The message is the proclamation of the gospel. We find in these verses a great responsibility of the church and a great responsibility for every Christian. These verses in chapter 10 come immediately after the doctrine of unconditional election for a reason. God will choose whom he wills and he will and he has commanded us to go and to share the gospel. God teaches election and he has commanded his children to go and evangelize. Both are important and both are true. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? They will not call. How are they to believe in Christ whom they have never heard of? They will not believe. How are they to hear without someone preaching? They will not hear without a preacher. How are they to preach unless they are sent? They will not preach if they are not sent. God elects. And the primary means by which he saves sinners is his children going and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. The message is the gospel and the means is his children. Now, sure, people are saved by the reading of God's word. People are saved by gospel tracts, online teachings, sermons, podcasts. People are even saved by false teachers reading Scripture or the unconverted sharing the good news. But the primary means by which the Lord saves sinners is His children going and His children sharing the good news of Christ. If souls are going to call on the Lord, if people are going to believe, if people are going to hear the gospel, God's children are to go and God's children are to share. At the end of verse 15, Paul quotes Isaiah 52, verse 7. He says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. And then Paul said, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. The gospel is the good news of Christ. And this good news brings about peace between God and man. Isaiah says it publishes peace. It brings good news of happiness. It publishes salvation. Who says your God reigns. Sinners are saved by grace through faith in Christ. Some will receive mercy while others are passed over. But God's children are responsible to go and to preach the good news. Each week I look at the words from the Apostle Paul, words that FBC Keller sent me out with. They hang in the church offices. They're found in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, I charge you in the presence of God 
and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of evangelists, fulfill your ministry. Paul was very specific to Timothy, his spiritual son, the faith. Paul said more than preach. As his life was coming to a close, Paul said, preach the word in season and out of season. I want to take this apart for a second. Number one, preach the word. Exegete the word of God. Teach what God has said. Open the scriptures and feed the Lord's flock the Lord's word. That's not just for you, that's also for me. What you and I need this morning is to be fed the Word of God. Expound and interpret the text. And then he says, preach the Word in season and out of season. That's number two. It means always teach the Word. Give the Word when it is easy and give the Word when it is difficult. Give the Word of God when it's convenient and give the Word of God when it's not convenient. In other words, every season of our life is to be that of preaching the Word. Number three, preach the Word, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. So God's Word convicts, God's Word rebukes, and God's Word exhorts. Do this with patience as you teach. And then he says, many want their ears tickled. Many don't want sound theology. They're wanting their own passions fueled. And, but the answer to this problem is exactly what Paul said. This is what you're going to be surrounded with. This is what's going to be involved in your culture. But this is what I want you to do. Preach the word. He says teachers are to be sober-minded. They are to endure suffering. They are to do the work of evangelists. You see, God saves, but the channel in which he saves is the preaching, the proclaiming, the passing on of his holy word. Before R.C. Sproul died, one of the things that he said that would bring about revival to our nation is just this very thing. That if people actually came into the church because they had spent time with God throughout the week and they came into the church and they wanted to hear a word not from their preacher, they wanted to hear a word from the Lord. And they actually demanded from their pastor, Pastor, do nothing but preach the word. Show up and feed us what God has commanded that we feast on. That God's saving power is not the personality of any individual, especially me. God's saving power is not the building, it's not the band, it's not the lights. That God's saving power, it is not a program. God's saving power is His Word being taught and passed on from generation to generation. That God's people are to pass on God's word. It has been passed on to us, and we are to carefully take it, treasure it, and give it to others. 
Paul goes on, Romans 10, verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. How does faith come? Hearing the word of Christ. Paul's quoting Isaiah 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of Yahweh been revealed? In other words, not all will believe the gospel, but what we proclaim is found in Isaiah 53. Not all Israel is Israel, not all the Jews, not all the Gentiles will be saved, only a remnant, but we preach Jesus Christ, the suffering servant. We preach that Christ was pierced. We preach that Christ was crushed, that the Lamb of God was led to the slaughter, that the righteous one, he paid the price and he poured out his soul to death. That Jesus, the suffering servant, bore the sin of many. And faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith is generated through the preaching of the gospel. The gospel must be preached. 1 Corinthians 1, 21-24 For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. In our context as we've been walking verse by verse through Romans, do we not see this being laid out, that even God's chosen people rejected him? It wasn't through wisdom. It wasn't through bloodline. Jews demand signs. Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. But there's going to be those who are going to be saved. There's going to be those who are going to be lost. There's those who can get saved through the preaching of the word. What do we do? We continue to preach the word. God calls whom he wills, and he passes over whom he wills. But we are to preach Christ crucified. Preaching Christ crucified is the power of God unto salvation. So we preach the word. I'm still haunted by a story a pastor once told where he says he went to a conference one time and he had labored night and day and night and day to prepare a message. And he got up behind the pulpit and he looked out upon the audience and he said, you know, I've been in so much prayer, but I have nothing to tell you. And he closed his Bible and he sat down. And there was a young pastor on the front row. And he leaned over to another man and he whispered in his ear, get up and read the Bible. You've been given a word, and it's God's word. It is through the teaching of God's word that people repent and believe. Earlier we heard Blake read the Great Commission found in Matthew 28. Disciples are made by the teaching of God's word. So do we sit and wait for a sign from the Lord of what to do? No. Do we lay our head on the pillow of God's election and do nothing? No. Do we find a way to bring people into this church so that the preacher can preach to them? That's not the answer. Do we meet the physical needs of the community, waiting and hoping that they ask us about Jesus? No. 
God has told us what to do. We are to go, and as we are going, we are to teach his holy word. MacArthur reminds us of our purpose in evangelism with these words. The purpose of evangelism is not to use human persuasion, clever devices to manipulate confession of faith in Christ, but to faithfully proclaim the gospel of Christ, through which the Holy Spirit will bring conviction and salvation to those who hear and accept the word of Christ. So God builds his church through the preaching of his word. We are to go, and when we go, we share the word, and the word which he has preserved for us to share. This is what we need to understand as Christians. God has passed on his word to you, not just for you to have, but for you to give to others. The call is to make disciples who make disciples. The call is not to say there are first-class disciples and second-class disciples and third-class disciples. No. God has redeemed you by the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, you are to tell others about the blood of the Lamb. We are to go, and when we go, we share his word. God has preserved it for us, and he has passed it on to us. So every ear, every audience, every people group needs to hear what God has said. They don't need our words and they don't need our ideas. This has been labeled as missions. It is not. The universal need of every soul is the hearing of the good news of Christ. And we cannot sit in the church and just say amen to this. Say amen, but take it with you and go give it. So what does this mean for every Christian? This involves the church teaching, the church praying, the church giving, the church sending, the church going, the church preaching, and the church not stopping until Christ returns. It is a constant wraparound. We keep doing this. Romans 10 verse 18 says, But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Paul takes this from Psalm 19, verse 4. He says, Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun. So Israel has heard. They have the scriptures, they are, but they are also responsible for their unbelief. All are without excuse. God's general revelation is on display for all to see. We looked at this in Romans chapter 1. All have external evidence of God as well as internal, for God's law is written on every heart. But general revelation does not save. Neither does ethnicity. All need special revelation. All need to hear the good news of Christ, the good news that the church has been entrusted with. You have been entrusted with, so God has saved you. He has given you the gospel. He has given you his word. You've been entrusted with it. And trust does not mean we hold on to it and we cherish it and we don't talk about it. All need the gospel. Romans 10, verse 19. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Paul quotes Deuteronomy 32, 21, which reads, 
They have made me jealous with what is no God. They have promoted me to anger with their idols. So I will make them jealous with those who are no people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. So Israel sought salvation through the law of God and not through faith. They heard God's word. They had it. They did not believe it. They rejected the message. I mean, Israel had it all. They had the word of God. They were God's special people. They had the prophets. People came and they rejected it as a whole. We learn in Deuteronomy that Israel, God's chosen people, would reject him and the gospel would go to the Gentiles. So Israel, a nation, would become jealous of the Gentiles who were not a nation. God would make his people angry. Paul goes on, Romans 10, verse 20. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. This is quoted from Isaiah 65, which reads, I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here am I, here am I to a nation that was not called by my name. I spread out my hands all the day long to rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices. So God's kingdom is for Jews as well as Gentiles. The Jews had an advantage, but they had the word and the prophets, but they were a disobedient people. So Isaiah declared, those who did not seek God found him. That God showed himself to those who did not ask the Gentiles. How about Israel? This is what is so amazing here. God held his hands out to them all day to a disobedient people who had the word of God while those who did not have the word obeyed. Romans 10.21 says, But of Israel, he says, All day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. As I was reading this and studying this this week, Exodus 34.6 came to mind. Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So Yahweh describes himself as a God who is merciful, a God who is gracious, a God who is slow to anger. This is what we see with Israel as well as the Gentiles. For Israel, he said, all day long I held out my hands to a disobedient people. Foundation, we have the word of God. And we have been called by God to go out into all the world and to hold it out, to hold it up. We have been set apart by God, but we have also been set apart for God. And as a local body of Christ, we are to be dependent upon him. We are to pray, we are to fund, we are to send, we are to go, and we are to share the good news of Christ. Paul Washer said, as Christians, we are called to either go down into the mine or hold the rope for those who go down. Think about what it would be like 
on your deathbed to know that you did not spend your life advancing the gospel of Christ. Hudson Taylor said, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered, it is a command to be obeyed. Jim Elliott, who died sharing the gospel, said, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain which he cannot lose. David Livingston said, sympathy is no substitute for action. We can't just be a people who say amen to sharing the gospel. You can be sympathetic, but God knows your heart. He says that sympathy is to move our mind into action, our body into action, our life into action. It's the giving of everything for the glory of God. Oswald Smith said, any church that is not seriously involved in helping fulfill the Great Commission has forfeited its biblical right to exist. Those are extreme words. Paul has informed us of two truths that I want us to dwell on this week for you and for me to think upon. Number one, the Lord's church is to proclaim the good news of Christ. The Lord's church is to proclaim the good news of Christ. This specific message and proclamation are both essential. The message is the good news of Christ. The proclamation is to be done by the Lord's church. And number two, the Lord's church has been sent. You don't look for a sign. You don't look for a wonder. You don't look for something where you feel at peace about something. That's not the way that God's children live. God has said, therefore, the Lord's church has been sent. We have the message. We are the means. So the Lord's church is to proclaim the good news of Christ, and the Lord's church has been sent. So everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And the primary means by which God saves is his church going and his church sharing. So the question is, are you, are you, and will you remain faithful to this command? How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? How are they to preach unless they are sent? All souls need the good news of Christ. Will you be a soul that carries it? If you are not saved this morning, you are responsible for your unbelief. Call on Christ. Come to Christ and be saved. Turn from your sins and turn towards God. Believe. If you are a Christian, you have your marching orders. We don't have to sit and wonder what we are to be doing. We meet with the Lord. We pray to the Lord. We give to the Lord. And we obey the Lord. And that includes being entrusted with the gospel and going and sharing the gospel. All souls need the good news of Christ. What will we do about it? If you're not saved, you're responsible for your unbelief. Repent and believe in the gospel. God provided salvation for sinners And his only salvation for sinners is the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. 
And anyone who calls upon him will be saved. And if you are a Christian, you have your marching orders. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Father, you have given us grace. You have given us mercy. You have entrusted us with the gospel. You have given us commands to go and to make disciples of all the nations. And as we are going, we are to share. And as we are sharing, we are to trust you. And you have told us through your word that you will save whom you will. You will harden whom you will. And we are to leave the results to you. We are just to be children who report for duty and obey. Father, for some of us, we just need to go home and share it with those in our household. For some of us, we need to go across the street to the neighbor, to the coworker this month, to the friends, the family members that we're going to gather with for holidays, and we just need to be bold. And so we ask for boldness in sharing the good news of Christ with them. We need to talk about the need for people to repent and believe. We need to talk about the judgment of God that is on them right now, that the wrath remains on them, that Christ is coming back to judge and they will all stand before him and to give an account. Father, we need to be reminded of your glorious love for filthy, wretched sinners. As you were so patient with Israel that your arms were outstretched wide, holding them wide open to a disobedient people. And then out of this, your plan was to save a people who were not a people, a people who did not seek you, who did not want you, who did not ask for you, and you redeemed them. Lord, that is a picture of our salvation. Father, Help us to cherish you above all things as we sang this morning. To treasure you. To be overwhelmed by the fact that you would save us and that you would use us as the means by which you want us to advance and to carry the gospel and to see the joy and privilege of seeing a sinner turn to faith in Christ. Thank you for the continual forgiveness that is found in Christ. Thank you for your arms that are outstretched wide that we have the joy of going and telling people where peace is found. It's in his glorious and wonderful name we pray, in the name above all names, the name of Christ, that we pray and ask all these things. Amen.